episode five of season one. We are Carrie Henderson and Kyle Matusik hosting the Heat of Command, Mastering the Art of Fire Service Leadership. And we had an awesome discussion last week about values and how they raise expectations and how important they are in your role as a leader and as a good human being. And it spoke to my heart. I loved that discussion last week. I'm excited for this week. It's a beautiful day here in Virginia. It's like in the low 80s, low humidity. Fall is amazing in Virginia. How is it in Illinois, Kyle? Uh, it's actually very hot for this time of year. It's about 85 today. <laughs> so uh, it's pretty nice. We can't complain too much about that. Okay. So today we're going to get into a little bit different topic. We're going to talk about the blame game and Kyle's pretty fired up today. So I'm <laughs> curious to see how this goes. It'll be fabulous. So we'll talk a little bit about uh, generational blame and how we take responsibility for our own selves and how that relates to uh, the decrease in blaming others for a lot of stuff that goes on. Um, so Kyle, you want to get us started? You want to start with uh, some generational blame stuff? Yeah, you know, as we get going and we talk about blame, I think it's a very easy topic to get misunderstood in because as we go through our podcast, it might sound like we're blaming generations and stuff, and we're not. You know, we understand, and as we continue on this, we'll, we'll explain why generations are the way they are in future episodes, and we'll talk about that. But Carrie and I have a general understanding of why generations are the way they are, or, you know, we really do a lot of work on trying to figure out the why behind people. So it's not that we're here to blame everybody or say everybody is a certain way and, and kind of be hypocritical of the topics that we're talking about. Our goal is to make you realize what you're doing so we can be more productive. Instead of blaming others, you know, we should be looking at ourselves, doing that self-reflection. And that's really how you invoke change. We don't invoke change by blaming others. It, it, in fact, you know, that really shows a lack of knowledge when we just, that's our first gut instinct is to go and do that. And we see so many areas of society, not just the fire service today, where that's what we do. You know, that's what we do when you, you know, the easiest one off the top of my head, we just look at our political climate and everybody blames the other side for everything that's wrong. And it's just crazy that we as a society have come to this point where we so quickly just place blame somewhere else. You know, and when we're placing that blame on somewhere else, somewhat, something else or someone else, what does that say about ourselves? And are we just kind of deflecting from that? Deflecting from, you know, maybe our shortcomings or our traumas of our past because we really just don't want to deal with it. So it's easier to blame rather than try to do something about it and reflect inwardly on your role in whatever issue we're talking about. And, you know, we can even take politics on, on a grand scale of things. And, you know, what control do you have in our political climate today? You know, are we promoting a kinder uh, world, a kinder country, or are we just constantly pointing out faults of each other's uh, weaknesses? So that's kind of where we want to go. We don't want to blame anybody for the way they are. We have a general understanding of the why people are the way they are, but it's really to raise an awareness that blaming is keeping you from doing what needs to be done, and it's deflecting from maybe some real personal issues that you may have out there, and the goal is to try and realize that and then what we can do to fix that. Because Yeah, the, I, oh, yeah go, ahead. go ahead. No, go ahead. No, I, and... I completely agree with you. And, and 
you and I are live in different worlds in, in fire service and the, and the departments that we work for are very different. And so my perspective on, on it is probably a little bit different from yours, but it, you're so right when you when you look at anything that's a problem in your life, be it something going on at work or, or at home and or you know even politics, you know there's always this notion of it can't be me. It's got, I have to, for, for my own well-being, I have to find blame somewhere else because I couldn't possibly be contributing to this problem. And from an emotional intelligence standpoint, that's hard. That's really hard to break that, that mindset of it may not be completely my fault, but what part of this can I take ownership in and, and what parts can I affect and what parts can I change and can I approach this change in a different way that makes people receptive or that actually, you know, does good in the world. Cause that that's hard to, to take ownership of some, some of the big problems that are out there. Yeah. And you know, it's not always an action, you know, like what can I do right. to not blame others, but fix an issue because the reality is we don't have control over any, everything. But then it comes to our attitude. So it's really looking at our action or inaction that causes the current problem or merely our attitude. And how do we progress out of that merely just with a positive attitude and being more optimistic? You know, so it's it's looking at those three things. What can I do? What shouldn't I be doing? And then what's my attitude towards something instead of just constantly putting the blame out there on everybody but yourself, because it's so easy to do, you know, and there's a time, you know, I was caught up in all that too, where it was easy that people weren't as motivated as me or dedicated as me. And it's like, well, the real issue when I was like, that was my insecurities. It wasn't anybody around me that I was, you know, pointing a finger at. It was my insecurities and the things I was dealing with, you know, and to actually go through that and then look back on those times is like an eye-opening experience to realize that we have so much power and control over the lives of so many people within our workplace, within our social environments. And what discredits you almost immediately is when you start pointing a finger, you know, and, and it takes all your credibility away, all your ability to be respected and trusted. It just is out the window, at least from my vantage point now and the things that I've been through. And it's just doesn't have to be that way. Yeah, so, I, Oh, go ahead. I keep cutting you off. No, you go. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, it, it, it makes me think about sometimes that I have placed blame probably, well, definitely inappropriately. And for me, a lot of times personally, it comes back to that's not the way I would have done it. I would, I would not have done it that way. And, and I, you know, I still have to check myself regularly. Like, everyone has had a different experience in the fire service and everyone has had a different history and, and life growing up. And there's a thousand ways to skin this cat. And, and that I think is what my, probably when I think about blame in my role, that's probably my biggest flaw is, is having to take a step back and go, well, that's, you know, well, that's the fire service, right? That's the way we've always done it. Yeah. <laughs> we can't do it differently. That's right. the way we've always done it. But that, so, so Carrie falls in that sometimes. It's like, well, that's not how I would have done it. Uh, okay, so take a step back. Uh, and maybe there is a better way. 
Yeah, and it might not even be a better way. It just might be the way you yeah. know, for, your subordinate understands it more, you know, because I was in the same boat as you, Carrie. Like, no, you do it this way. And I remember my early days in, in uh, my career and you'd go do a drill and I'd be stuck on overtime. So you drill with multiple different uh, shifts and everybody's showing you a different way and that their way is the way. And if you don't do it this way, then shame, 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 right? And you're just like, what is going on? And now in a position I'm at is like, okay, you know, there are many different strategies to forcing a door or, you know, moving a charged hose line. And who's to say one way is better than the other if the job's getting done in a safe and efficient manner? Sure, there are techniques that are going to be more beneficial to us than others. But like, we all look at things differently and see things differently. So it's really understanding that um, and, and putting yourself in, in somebody else's shoes. So, so I really appreciate that you said that. And then, you know, taking a step further, you said, uh, you know, it's the way we've always done it. And, you know, the, the, the terms we always hear all the time, it's the way we've always done it. It's part of the job, you know, suck it up. It's what you signed up for. And a lot of these things are just like, you no, know, these are just like all cop-outs deflecting away from the real issues. And it's just, if we're not doing it the way we, we used to, or, you know, there's not an understanding that this was part of the job, then it's easy just to point blame. Well, okay, you don't, this is part of the job and you don't like it. Well, it's your fault. And it's like, then we just get down this road of shaming people for being away the way that they are. And then we are just doing more damage than good. And especially in our world today, where we're talking about mental health so much, and then we see how people are treated and you're like, hold on a second, how can we hoorah about mental health, but then treat people and say things like, well, that's the way we've always done it, or it's part of the job, suck it up. Like that's not, we're, we're not making any progress on mental health. And so it's a lot of times we see this thing of where we say one thing, but our actions are just the complete opposite. And again, it, it loses credibility. It, you know, the one thing too is when we look at some words that get thrown around a lot, and, you know, we talked about values last week is the words humility and being humble. And I think a lot of times, you know, people throw those words around and yeah, they sound good and that's how we want to be, but their actions are so far away from those, those terminologies, uh, the terminology of being uh, humble and showing humility for people um, that we, we just get into this mindset and this way of living that as long as I say these things, then I am those things. And it's so far from the truth because actions are, are so much more than the words that we say. Yeah. There's a lot to unpack there. And I'm thinking like 50 things right now, and I hope that I don't forget all of them. But one thing that came to mind going back to the, well, that's the way it's always been. And this is the way we do it. And why do you keep wanting to change things or, you know, whatever. And do you think that's generational? Do you think that, cause you and I are, are close in age. Um, I'm a Gen X. You're probably super close to Gen X. You're technically a millennial, but you yeah. have a lot of Gen X qualities. Um, and, and the baby boomers before us, I'm, I, to me, it feels like that is definitely a quality we are probably carrying or holding on to from the baby boomer generation. Would you agree with that? Yeah. But what quality was that? Like the, this is the way we've always done it kind of mentality. Yeah, I think you know for me it was kind of being in this this time where I 
able to see both sides. Like, yeah, initially being brought up is, yes, this is a way, but then all of a sudden you mature, you grow, things happen to you, and you look at it and you're like, hold on a second, <laughs> you know? Like, it doesn't have to be this way, you know? And you look at, you know, generational blame, you know? And getting into the fire service at my age, you know, immediately it was the millennials are this, that, and the other thing. And you're just like... I just started and you're blaming me for everything that's wrong with the industry. Like, it's just like with the world. Yeah. Yeah. With the world. It's like, (laughs) how can you, like, how can you do that? And on the surface, when we look at that, like, let's just look at, you know, we're going to blame the entire generation, an entire generation for something. And we're not going to take any responsibility for that. And it's like, well, who raised that generation? But we won't go there, right? We won't have that conversation because it's just so much easier to point the finger. And we can see just on that basic example, very surface level example, that if you're blaming somebody else or blaming an entire generation, that finger is pointing right back at you. Like you didn't do your job or you did your job poorly. So in order to keep yourself lifted, you're just going to blame that generation for the way they are instead of realizing like, Hey, we might have we, we might have had some shortcomings in how we raised our kids, you know. Well, and 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 to look at it a little differently, it's maybe it's not necessarily shortcomings in raising your kids. It's you thought you were doing the right thing because of a hardship or an experience that you had growing up. So you thought I'm going to do differently for my kids, and and then they turned out differently because that was your intent. You know, you raised them differently than your parents raised you because of this, that, or the other, but. I think it's always from mostly usually from good intent. It's good intentions that I'm going to give my child more than I ever had, or I'm going to make things less difficult for them. Or, you know, even the baby boomers, you know, growing up post-World War II, the experiences they had, their parents, you know, raised them differently too. And so we blame we blame everybody for all the right? things, but you know, we're blaming generations and then we're blaming the generation before them for raising them that way. But there's always this, hey, what what is the what does it boil down to? Where did it come from? It's that, well, you know, I thought I was doing the right thing, making life easier for my kiddo, but now the rest of the world thinks they're entitled. Right, right. You know, or I, you know, the the big thing growing up is if you go to college, you'll be set for life and I mean, look at our country today. That's not necessarily the truth. You're set up with a lot of college debt and so many other things, you know, but they had this idea that if they got this, you know, that's where the, you know, potentially where some of the entitlement could come from. So it's having that understanding of, you know, why generations are the way they are. And I think you bring up some great points is as we want to blame generations or people for things, it's just stopping and realizing why, why they are the way they are. And then as we can do that, we can take, stop blaming them for being a certain way, as long as we understand the why behind it. But you have to do that work. They're not going to come out and tell you because at the end of the day, they don't know why they are the way they are yet. They're still young and they're still figuring things out. But you as a leader understand those things and understand people are raised differently and weren't raised like you. They didn't live in a world like you grew up in. All these things are different and we can't expect people generation after generation to be the exact same way. We have to adapt and overcome all those obstacles and we have to learn what these generations coming into our workforce today and in five years and in 10 years, what they're about. And then that'll stop us blaming them 
for the way they are. And, and then we'll actually be able to develop strategies to lead them appropriately. Yeah. And you hit the nail on the head, like talking about, you know, the generations that are coming in, they don't, they don't know, you know, where some of their traits, strengths and weaknesses are coming from. They just, you know, just know, who you know, they just know themselves. So I, I like the idea of we have to do that work for them. It's our, it's our responsibility for sure. And the, and the new generation coming in, you know, we, we give every generation a hard time, right? But this new generation, I think, is more self-aware. And, I, you know, I don't know if that's uh, school is different, you know, or if they're raised differently or, or where it's coming from yet. But I think they are more self-aware. Um, and I, I think we can learn a lot from that. Yeah. So do you think then, you know, the Gen Zers being more self-aware and again, I, I, I just want to preface, this is all generalities and we could say, you know, late baby boomers, Gen Xers, I think in general, we could say maybe aren't so self-aware. Do you think this is what is creating the tension in the workplace and society that we see today that we have a level of awareness never seen before versus a level of awareness that's just not there? Yeah, I think that's a possibility. And when I say I think the newer generation is more self self aware personally. I don't know that they're aware because uh, I I hate to say you know baby boomers and Gen X it's all, it's it's our it's our fault we aren't doing the right thing because there is across all of the, this, the generations this lack of understanding because you you think about baby boomers and the way they behave in the workplace and then and the new Gen Zers culturally. you know, just everything in their world is so different. And there's this blame of, you know, millennials and and now this newest generation of baby boomers set us up for failure. You know, and the housing market is crazy. I can't afford a house. Um, And and baby boomers going, well, by your age, I had, you know, my first home. Well, it cost a quarter of what right. starter homes, you know, right? And and baby boomers saying, well, just don't drink all those Starbucks lattes and save your money. And it's like, okay, well, that that didn't save me enough to buy a house in this market. So I, I, I do think there is still across all of the generations, a lack of understanding of where it comes from, where the behavior and attitudes and the, the way you interact the way you do everything at work it, it comes from a, a lot of that and and some misunderstanding that everyone in that generation has the exact same qualities so that every baby boomer is you know a millionaire that has a pension that they you know they stayed at their same job for this many years and they were successful and bought a home well there's millions of people out there that are having to work into their 70s because they had no pension and they were low wage workers and, and, you know, so it's, we, we can't always assume, assume that. And we do, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. It's our quickest, <clears throat> our quickest out or our quickest uh, defense to what, whatever issue is at hand, you know, when we, we start blaming people and then essentially, you know, sometimes you start prodding a little bit, at, at least I do, you know, as you know, I hear people start blaming a generation or blaming the the young people for being a certain way or not understanding that this is part of the job. And you kind of 
have the deeper discuss, try to have a deeper discussion with them like me and you do. And then it's like immediate defenses go up and like, you can't even get through to get them to understand like, Hey, it's, it's, it's us. We have to adapt. We have to, we have, we're leaders, right? I mean, what we, me and you talk about is a leadership. So we have to lead young and old alike to have these conversations and say, Hey, this is why Gen Zers are the way they are. This is why millennials are the way they are. They have a lot of good qualities here. They are. But on the flip side, we have to go to the Gen Zs, millennials and be like, Hey, this is why the baby boomers are the way they are. The Gen Xers, like there needs to be a level of understanding. And it's, I think you said it right. Nobody wants to understand each other. We just want to go through this world and our careers and like, it's almost like you're constantly battling with the people you work with. And it's like, it doesn't have to be that way. We can stay progressive and innovative and grow our industries, but we have to do it together, knowing our strengths and weaknesses, because that's the cool thing. When you look at team environments and stuff, you want people with different from different walks of life, different backgrounds. That's what creates a good team. But we have to learn how to play to those strengths instead of just constantly calling out the weaknesses and blaming entire generations or certain individuals because of the way they are. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And it, there's a lot that you can do out there to, to, to learn about. And we'll, I I don't even want to get into each generation here because we'll be here for like two hours, but I think another, another episode, maybe we do an episode per generation to really iron all that out because it's such good talking points. And it's, to me, it's really cool to see the history and, and why people develop the traits that they do um, based on how they're raised and what was going on in the political climate, um, you know, when they're being raised and on all that stuff. I, I just think it's fascinating. Um, but if to, to kind of shift this a little bit away from generations, because there's so much to talk about when we when we we blame people. We did a cool thing in our office at work. Um, so I, I'm the, the training chief for my department. And all of the admin chiefs, actually, all the ops battalions went too. We all, um, our fire chief was working on our group dynamics because sometimes they uh, they suck a little bit sometimes and we can't quite get along at meetings. So we did this, it was called a DISC assessment. And a lot of people have heard about that, but we filled out this long uh, survey online and then we went to this class together and it, it was eye-opening to me to see the way other people make decisions and the way other people react emotionally and the words that they use and, and the words that they need people to use with them. And so when I think about blaming people and my, some of my weaknesses, a lot of times it goes back to some of that emotional intelligence stuff. It's that you don't make decisions the same way I do. And you, you take too long to make decisions. And why can't you just, you know, I'm snapping my fingers. Why can't you just make a decision on that where that will cause me, I feel a little blamey because I'm like, you're different than me and your decision-making. But that other person can turn around and say, you're, you make rash decisions, Carrie. You don't think things through, you know, so it's, it's the emotional intelligence part of the blame game too that come that comes to mind for me when we talk about it um not just generations but that kind of stuff yeah you know the the cool thing is that you can recognize it you know and as i've gotten older i can recognize it too you know the an example for me we got a younger guy uh that work that i work with and he still lives at home 
and I'm just dumbfounded by it, right? Like I was like, man, 18 hours out, dude. <laughs> you know, I don't, I'm done. <laughs> uh, see ya. You know, I never look back. And you know, I, you see these these younger people coming in, and they're still living at home. And you know, over the course of some time, you know, the stuff me and you talk about these none of, none of this is a quick fix, right? All this stuff takes time to to change your ways and then to be understood and heard in your way. So over the course of time, yeah, I would give them some grief for still living at home. Like, I can't believe you do it, blah, blah, blah. And then eventually the, you know, the conversation grew, you know, and, and we would start and we started going deeper, you know, and the conversation is to why, you know, and it's beneficial on both sides because he takes a journey into his past and starts to understand why he is the way he is. And like, I get to see, and start to have some level of understanding on as to why he's still living at home. He was in high school during the Great Recession, right? In 2008, he saw all his friends' parents lose their jobs. You know, people were tight on money. And now he's in this mindset, I got to save, 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 live at home. Like, I get it. I totally get it. But like, that's where we come in as leaders. Just because it happened then doesn't mean that it needs to control every decision we make. I'm not saying what you're doing is wrong or right. You're going to make that decision. But we can't be so focused on, you know, it's being guided by the traumas of your past, whether you've viewed those traumas or they happened to you, but you're being that's what you're being guided by. And that's not who you are. So as you can see, like, as we talk about this stuff, it's all this full circle game, like how every intricate part matters to who you are uh, in your full identity. And then as a leader, and then not being able, not blaming people for certain things and having that level of emotional intelligence. So at the end of the day, yeah, he's still living at home, but like, he gets it, you know, and obviously there's some work that needs to be done there, you know, it personally just with growth and stuff. And that's where we are as leaders and step in to help guide that growth and mentor and pave that road for them. So they don't have to always be guided by the things they've experienced in life. And that should be our goal as leaders. And then we get rid of this blame game when we start understanding people. Yeah, and I'm trying not to go down a whole other rabbit hole because I totally will. <laughs> but and I and I wonder if there are other people out there like me. And we've talked a little bit about being accused of being soft, or these are safe space conversations, or being this is too soft, you know that, and all that stuff. But I I I don't think it is. And and for so long when I would make decisions, I. Every time through my head, especially if it came down to discipline um, or you know termination stuff or you know people that really aren't performing, and there were so many people around me in the fire service that were like, "Just go tell him he's doing a terrible job and to fix it," you know, and or hey, just fire him, just just fire the guy, just write him up, just write him up. Like, okay my my mindset and maybe it's because I'm a woman um I I don't know but maybe there's other people like out there like me that it all I always go back to instead of that blame of they're purposely screwing up they're purposely not getting better to what is creating that behavior what why are they why did they make that decision and I'm not saying you never fire people or you never write them up because there is a time and a place for that especially for documentation purposes for you know, for discipline and, and, and not everybody's cut out for this job. Everybody knows that. But, you know, when I, I always, I always felt like I was too soft in this job because I always wanted to go back to, 
you know, why, what made them make that decision? So we had a guy one time, this has been years ago, uh, a family stopped by the fire station and I can't, I don't remember all the details. And I, I think of somebody he knew and the daughter was just infatuated by fire trucks and he gave them a ride in the fire truck. It was a reserve engine. It wasn't in service. And I think he, I don't even think he was working that day. He gave them like a little ride around, not very far, man. And, and our department went nuts. They wrote him up, all of this stuff. He, he did not do that maliciously. Was it a, a, probably not the best decision, but he thought, Hey, here, this girl loves the fire service, loves, loves fire trucks, gave her a ride. It, and instead of saying, you know, Hey, you probably don't know this, but for insurance purposes, we can't let, can't let citizens ride around in the fire truck. That was not a great idea, but your heart was in the right place that you you know, you wanted to this community outreach and all this good stuff. But like, I just always go back to that, that this isn't soft. It's understanding human behavior and, and why people make the decisions. Because to me, and you know, I, I maybe I just live in this way too optimistic world. I don't, most decisions and behaviors and things that people do, they don't do it to, to be dirtbags. They don't do it to be malicious. They don't do it on purpose. It's they're doing what they think is the right thing, or they're doing what they think is the best that they can do. And sometimes they just need a little guidance in, the, in a different direction. And blaming them doesn't get you anywhere. It gets a defensive behavior and no change. Yeah, no change for either of you, right? Yeah. It's it's no change for the person that's doing the act, and there's no change for you personally. And it's it's just then we just live in this cyclical environment that not it always it, it stays the same. It's the way it's always been. It's the way it's always been, and we just stay there. And there's no progress and no innovation. And I think we're seeing the uh, we're we're seeing the results of that now. You know, especially here in Illinois, where we are, have massive recruitment and retention issues, and. You know, it's easy. Again, what you hear is we're blaming the generation, but there is no look within on what have we done to cause this situation from all levels, right? From the village boards that lead these organizations to the administrations of the organizations to the firefighters and paramedics that work in those organizations. Everybody has a role in that. And nobody wants to to look at themselves. They just want to, it's so much... It Gen Zs just don't want to work. And I hear it all the time. And I'm just like, that's not it. <laughs> we just haven't yeah. we haven't progressed enough to lead them appropriately. So they're gonna go find something else. But we can lead them, but this is what it's gonna take. And then it's like, well, that's not the way we used to do that's not the way we do things. It's not the way we do things. We can't change. We're stuck in our own ways. Um, we need to get out of our own way. That's what we need to do, you know, and then all this goes away. Yeah, because Gen Z and when you said the word innovation, it really clicked with me that there is so much innovation coming out of Gen Z. Uh, they've lived in a, you know, with with the internet at their fingertips their entire lives, and and they they have the ability to be incredibly innovative. But we are squashing it. Yes, we are squashing it, and and we have to do better and different because like you said, the recruitment and retention in a, in a brand new workforce that can work on a beach or a boat with a laptop and earn twice our salaries. Why, why would you want to come work 24 hour shifts and get held mandatory and work Christmas and your kids' birthdays and you know, all that good stuff. But I think it, it 
it's not a death sentence though, because what's so beautiful about the new generation is they want to make a difference and they want to make a difference in their communities, mm-hmm. which is really cool. If we can, if we can find a way to lead them and create a culture and a workplace where they feel empowered, they can use all the lovely traits that their mamas gave them or their daddies <laughs> and, and come to work and feel supported and listened to and, and all the things that they need, just like every generation before them had a need, a specific need that had to be met. Um, it's just now it's, it's, it's not a want, it's a need because this generation will leave where, you know, our generation and before us, we just stayed. <laughs> it's so true, right? It's so true. You know, there's many a times I'm like, man, if times were different, would I even go down this road? And a lot of times I'm like, no, you know, sometimes the, t- the environments are so toxic and it's just like, this isn't healthy for anybody, you know? And as we <clears throat> continue on our conversation, you know, I, I hope our audience realizes kind of where we're going. And next time, when we talk about, you know, how do we start fixing this? And we, we talked a lot about it, a, a lot about things in terms of emotional intelligence and empathy and compassion. And really that that's the crux of all this. How do do how we develop those? So on our next episode, we're going to dive deep into what emotional intelligence is, what empathy and compassion looks like. And then we can start, you know, understanding that it's not a safe space, that we don't need to be blaming people, that we could take personal responsibility and accountability. And and in the end, you know, that's going to grow your knowledge base and and make you a more effective leader uh, today and for years and years to come. So as we start closing out our podcast, we're going to start doing this new thing of uh, giving you a quote for the week. And you can engage with us on Facebook, LinkedIn, uh, and any other social media as we continue to build on that, you know, to, to give some insight on a quote of the week in terms of what we're talking about in our podcast. So engage with us. We'll, we'll comment back and kind of get a conversation going because I think it's very important to have these conversations if we want to grow and learn and not to get defensive, but to learn and grow from these conversations. So Carrie's got our first quote for us. Okay. So I was looking up some stuff about Generation Stay because I had a question about, um, I see on TikTok, they call, um, they'll say, okay, boomers. And it's, you know, it's pretty derogatory at, at this point, you know, because we're blaming every generation. And so anyways, I, I've, what I learned today was that we didn't start calling or putting people into generations until 1928. So um, there was a theory of generations that came out in 1928, and it was based on the idea that a young person is influenced by their socio-historic environment. I thought that was pretty interesting. So there was a, a more recently a 2018 research paper in organizational dynamics. It was done in St. Louis and in Germany, and it argued that generational theory creates a self-fulfilling prophecy. You stereotype other generations, and then you treat them differently. So they end up being different. So I guess our our call to you out there, the listeners, is do you, do you agree with that? Do we perpetuate it? Do we create it? That's a deep one. You know, on the surface, I'm going to give my quick answer. My quick answer is yes. Yes, we do. <laughs> you know, and it's like, so how do we stop it? How do we st- stop the bleeding? But I, we look forward to hearing the comments that you all have and uh, engaging with us on our social media platforms and hearing what you have to say in terms of the blame game and generations and and are we perpetuating the problem every day? And if we are, how do we go ahead and stop it? For Carrie and Kyle, this has been the Heat of Command podcast, and we'll see you next week. Yeah.